Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Zwarns, and today is the Feast of the Ascension of the Lord. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Gladden us with holy joys, Almighty God, and make us rejoice with devout thanksgiving. For the ascension of Christ your Son is our exaltation. And where the head has gone before in glory, the body is called to follow in hope. Through our Lord Jesus Christ your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles In my earlier work, Theophilus, I dealt with everything Jesus had done and taught from the beginning until the day he gave his instructions to the apostles he had chosen through the Holy Spirit and was taken up to heaven. He had shown himself alive to them after his passion by many demonstrations. For forty days he had continued to appear to them and tell them about the kingdom of God. When he had been at table with them, he had told them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for what the Father had promised. It is, he had said, what you have heard me speak about. John baptized with water, but you, not many days from now, will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now having met together, they asked him, Lord, has the time come? Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know times or dates that the Father has decided by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you will be my witnesses, not only in Jerusalem, but throughout Judea and Samaria, and indeed to the ends of the earth. As he said this, he was lifted up while they looked on, and a cloud took him from their sight. They were still staring into the sky when suddenly two men in white were standing near them and they said, Why are you men from Galilee standing here looking into the sky? Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven, this same Jesus will come back in the same way as you have seen him go there. The Word of the Lord Thanks be to God. God mounts his throne to shouts of joy, a blare of trumpets for the Lord. God mounts his throne to shouts of joy, a blare of trumpets for the Lord. All peoples clap your hands, cry to God with shouts of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, we must fear, great King over all the earth. God mounts his throne to shouts of joy. A blare of trumpets for the Lord. God goes up with shouts of joy. The Lord goes up with trumpet blast. Sing praise for God. Sing praise. Sing praise to our King. Sing praise. God mounts his throne to shouts of joy. A blare of trumpets for the Lord. God is King of all the earth. Sing praise with all your skill. God is king over the nations. God reigns on his holy throne. God mounts his throne to shouts of joy, a blare of trumpets for the Lord.
A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. May the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, give you a spirit of wisdom and perception of what is revealed, to bring you to full knowledge of Him. May He enlighten the eyes of your mind, so that you can see what hope His call holds for you, what rich glories He has promised the saints will inherit, and how infinitely great is the power that He has exercised for us believers. This you can tell from the strength of His power at work in Christ, when He used it to raise Him from the dead and to make Him sit at His right hand in heaven, far above every sovereignty, authority, power or domination, or any other name that can be named not only in this age, but also in the age to come. He has put all things under his feet and made him, as the ruler of everything, the head of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills the whole creation. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Go and teach all people my gospel. I am with you always until the end of the world. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, You see how it is written that the Christ would suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that in his name repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses to this. And now I am sending down to you what the Father has promised. Stay in the city then until you are clothed with the power from on high. Then he took them out as far as the outskirts of Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. Now as he blessed them, he withdrew from them and was carried up to heaven. They worshipped him, and then went back to Jerusalem full of joy, and they were continually in the temple, praising God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So it's interesting that St. Luke describes the ascension of Jesus into heaven twice. Luke, of course, is the author of the Acts of the Apostles, and, and that's what we heard in the first reading. The account that Luke gives at the beginning of Acts talking about how Jesus was taken up into heaven. The gospel, though, is a little bit more sparse. There aren't a lot of details, and we don't hear that this is 40 days after the resurrection and all of that sort of stuff, but what we do receive in the gospel is a very dense and meaningful statement from Jesus. He he says to the disciples, You see how it is written that the Christ would suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that... In his name, repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses to this. It's a very short summary that describes the mission of the Messiah and how he accomplished this mission in the fulfillment of the scriptures. Now, this is a familiar theme in Luke. Um, You remember the account of the two disciples who are on the road to Emmaus on Easter Sunday morning? Well, they're left bereft at what has happened to the Lord. 
and Christ opens their hearts to understand what has happened to him, that it's in fact an accomplishment. It's the fulfillment of scriptures. Um, And the disciples remark to each other, it's like, didn't our hearts burn within us as he spoke to us along the road? It's through suffering that the Messiah would justify many and so enter into his glory. Well, here once more, the Lord Jesus is pointing towards his suffering, death and resurrection, not simply as something that happened to him, but as the fulfillment of the scriptures. And so the disciples now become not merely witnesses to the historical fact of Jesus' death and resurrection, they also now bear witness to the meaning of what has been accomplished. It was for repentance and the forgiveness of sins that he suffered, died, and rose again. And this witness now is to be given through the whole world. Now, the ascension of the Lord into heaven is a biblical sign of Jesus entering into his power and of being enthroned in heaven. Right? We say in the creed that he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, In biblical language, the right-hand side is the side of strength and of power. And so the Lord Jesus is shown to be acting with the power of God himself, seated at the right hand. The one who is victorious over sin and death is now enthroned with power and glory. But he wields this power in a surprising way. He entrusts it to his disciples. He says to them, you will be clothed with power from on high. And all this because Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And it's with this power that they're to bear witness to the Christ who reconciles the world to God through his saving death. Now, this is surprising to us, surely. Christ has entrusted this mission to his church. These fledgling disciples who time and again have shown their lack of understanding, their lack of courage and lack of faith. And yet, we see here a precious trust which the Lord Jesus shows in his own. He gives them the mission to bear witness and to proclaim the gospel in his name. The power of Christ's suffering, death and resurrection is placed in the hands of these disciples so that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would indeed be preached to all the nations. And so these disciples are drawn into the very work of the Messiah. They get to play a little part in Jesus saving the world. Now, I'm sure I've shared this story with you before, but it's one that made an impact on me at the time and has kind of stayed with me ever since. A priest was preaching a homily on the Feast of the Ascension, and he said that, you know, when Jesus arrived at the right hand of the Father, a couple of angels came to him and said, "Um, so, Lord, um, you've given the job to the disciples. Um, What's plan B? (laughs) And Jesus responded, there is no plan B. They will be clothed with power from on high. Doesn't the Lord show tremendous patience with us? 
giving us space to learn, to make mistakes, to grow. Because the fact is, can he do it himself? Of course, and far better than we could. But here we see the dignity and honour which he bestows upon his disciples. What I have done, you do now. Share in my cross, share in my resurrection, and share in my victory. Share in my saving work. So I think here we come upon a personal question. What has the Lord entrusted to me? What is the power that he has bestowed upon me so that I would bear witness and share in his mission? It's a personal question. It it unfolds through discernment and listening to the voice of the master. And the Lord gives an instruction to the disciples, right? He says, go home, go back to Jerusalem and pray. Wait for the Holy Spirit who will clothe you with power. And I think this becomes an important instruction to us too, to go home, to pray, to listen to the voice of the Lord, to attend and await the movement and power of the Holy Spirit, and to remain docile to the mission which the Lord Jesus wants to share with us. I think that's a really important point. There's no dead weight in the body of Christ. Each branch that is grafted onto the vine must bear fruit because each branch which bears no fruit, the Father cuts away. In faith, we aren't consumers. We're sharers. We're witnesses to the suffering, death and resurrection of Jesus. We're witnesses to repentance for the forgiveness of sins. You know, it happens to me kind of often enough, I suppose, uh, that, you know, celebrating things like funerals and weddings where often you get a bit of a mixture of people um, between Catholics and non-Catholics, the churched and the unchurched. uh, But someone will come up to me afterwards and say something like, oh, nice service, Father. That was a nice church service. And I suppose it's an interesting question to think what we mean by that word service. Do we call it a church service because it's the priest who serves the people and I liked the way that you served me, Father, so nice service. Maybe we might not put it in such sort of stark and harsh language, but I suspect that that's often the impression that we have And perhaps that's the measure that we use to judge the quality of a church service. How much did it benefit me? How much did it engage me? How much did it interest me? How much did it meet my expectations? It seems to me very easy for us to fall into the trap of thinking that we're the consumers of religion. And yet here our Lord Jesus is saying exactly the opposite. No, no, no. You're drawn into my work. You're made fruitful by the power which I give you. You're given a mission. And you're made a servant. By extension, then, a good church service isn't one where it meets our expectations. A good church service is one where it meets God's expectations. 
A good church service is one where we witness to the suffering, death and resurrection of Jesus, where we enter into our own repentance and the forgiveness of our own sins so that we can go and witness to it to others. That we all get to share in Christ's mission of saving the world? That's a given. What's particular, though, is how and who and when. Well, in the Gospel for today, there's a kind of sending out that Jesus gives, but also an invitation to stay and to remain. So he says, you're going to go and preach to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. It gives you the sense of this great wave that is going to flood the whole world, starting from Jerusalem. But the first thing he says to them is, stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Go, but stay first. Well, I think perhaps we need to put ourselves into that mode too. Like the apostles, to pray, to listen, to attend, to await the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because we want to do what God entrusts to us. It's easy to get over-enthusiastic and to jump in straight away and get busy with the things that we think need to be done. But what we want to do is what God has given us, so that we truly may be fruitful branches on the vine. But the flip side's also true. Maybe what's being entrusted to us, we're too afraid to take up. Well, in which case, we really need the power that comes from on high to make us capable of doing the mission that Christ has entrusted to us. So there's no question that we need to go But first, to pray, to stay, and to receive this power from on high. There's really no point going without staying first, because we'll go in the wrong direction. There's no point staying without finally being able to go, because otherwise we won't put into practice the power with which we've been entrusted. No, we must take the apostles as the example here to go back to Jerusalem, to praise God continually and to await the power which comes from on high and then to go. You know, what's been given to us as our mission is properly for us. And not to take it up is to leave it undone. But not to take it up is also to deny ourselves the great joy, the great honour and dignity that it is to help Jesus save the world. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.